Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. There's always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is June the 9th, 2021. This is episode 2889-2889 of the Survival Podcast. It is a Wednesday, and as is usual, we do have an interview today. I am jazzed for you to hear from this young man. This guy's 22 years old. His name is Noah Long, and he is not adverse to getting shit done. This guy has a business in a small town in rural Missouri. He is making things happen. Uh, it just ended up being a great interview with no plan for it to happen. There's a lot of synchronicity that seems to occur in this community. But I've been on a kick this week with my Miyagi Mornings videos about telling people, you know, basically get out and, and take the opportunity you have. Stop saying you're young and broke and using it as an excuse, or soon you're going to be old and broke. Things like that. And man, I couldn't have asked. I didn't do a lot of talking in this one. I really let him just go. He was outstanding. And you'll hear, like, he's not buying a mansion yet or anything, but he's building a successful business. He's building equity in it every day. Uh, he's paying his bills. He's making his way through the world, and he's not doing it by working for Walmart. He's doing it by working for Noah himself, right? You know? And, uh, I can just tell, like, ten years from now, this this kid is going to have it made, and he's going to be dealing with people saying, must be nice, and they won't be the ones bumping into him when he's snowshoeing back and forth uh, to his greenhouse because his car can't get through the snow that's a quarter mile away from his house. True story, you'll hear it and a lot of other things. It'll give you a lot of faith in our younger generation that takes so much heat today. Again, this kid's only 22 years old. Anyway, with that... Before I bring Noah on, let's go ahead and uh, take care of our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today is Backwoods Home Magazine. If you've ever thought, how does Jack know so much freaking random crap? One way is that I've been reading Backwoods Home for over 20 years. Uh, I first found, well, I guess it ain't quite, uh, it's more than 20 years. It's, it's, it's almost freaking 25 years. I first found Backwoods Home back in 1993, right when I got out of the Army. And uh, I found them on a on a, a magazine rack at a Barnes and Noble bookstore when people used to go to bookstores. And I started reading it. And when I got a decent job, that was the first magazine that I ever subscribed to as a grown ass adult, and I still subscribe to them today. So when they wanted to sponsor the show, you can bet I said yes. Check them out. They were gone for a little while. They're back now. It's a quarterly publication, and I know a lot of people are like I only get it four times a year, but it's like a book. I mean, you can almost beat somebody pretty good with it if they broke it in the house. Better off shooting somebody breaks in your house, but I mean, you can give them a good beat with the Backwoods Home magazine. Now, it's it is a thick magazine full of great information. Check them out at backwoodshome.com. Next up today, Butcher Box. I am I am so excited that two of our sponsors uh, that we picked up, you know, about the same time, about three and a half years ago now, have become national, well-known brands. Uh, Butcher Box being one and Ridge Wallet being the other. I just saw a Ridge Wallet advertisement. It was either on like Fox News or something like that. And Butcher Box has been doing that for a while, and they haven't forgotten that this community and other communities like us, podcasters, etc., are how they built that brand. Uh, they have been so good to us, and the quality of the food is amazing. Check them out at ButcherBox.com. Remember, MSB members get $10 off every box. You can use it for things like, I don't know, an extra pack of bacon. That's pretty cool. But the big deal is 10 bucks off every box 
is $120 a year. On my MSB, that's only $50 a year. So this one supporting sponsor will more than cover the cost of your MSB alone. And you'll get great quality meat. I was skeptical on this one. I'm a butthole when it comes to buying meat in the store. I will not let somebody pick it out for me. I look, look I don't want that one. I want that one. I'm that guy. Um, but man, I've always gotten top quality stuff from Butcher Box, and you will too. Pastured pork, uh, grass fed beef, pastured poultry. They have it all, and it ships right to your house. It's always great. Check them out today. Backwoods, I'm sorry, ButcherBox.com. And remember, if you're MSB and you're a ButcherBox customer, you should be getting your discount. That's 10 bucks off a box, 120 a year if you get a monthly box. By the way, if you're like, I could do ButcherBox, but I don't really need a box a month, you can do a box every other month as well. You can do that. You can pause your box anytime as well. All right, so with that, um, let's dig into this subject. But I, I, I wanted to quote of the day for you. And I immediately, when I looked at what this kid was doing, I was like, I know the quote. It's from Thomas Edison, and I know there's some people can say some nasty things about Thomas Edison, and most of them I agree with, by the way, but the guy did work. He worked his ass off. He once said, opportunity is missed by most people because it's stressed in overalls and it looks like work. You know, what this makes me think of, most of y'all know one of my favorite places in the world is Sanibel, Florida. And down in that neck of the woods, it's not out on Sanibel Island, but down in that neck of the woods, there's two houses that are right next to each other. They're kind of one thing now. There's the Thomas Edison vacation home, and it's right next to Henry Ford's vacation home. The interesting thing when you go into Edison's vacation home, though, is there's this area, and it's a full-on laboratory. And they've left, like, all the material, the glass beakers and stuff like that, like, all that stuff's still there. They have it, like, behind a cage, but you can look in and see it all. And it's pretty much as Edison left it. And then you realize... This was this dude's place he went on vacation. When he went on vacation, he was still working. Now, I don't know if that's always a good idea, but it does drive home the point. Opportunity is missed by most people because it's stressed in overalls, and it looks like work. And we're about to talk to somebody that embodies that. He's a really awesome dude. His name is Noah Long. He's a 22-year-old entrepreneur and horticulturist in rural Missouri. He runs a small greenhouse operation. He sells vegetables, annuals, perennial shrubs, and other locally main, uh, grown goods. He also does uh, a lot of other really cool stuff, uh, different side hustles and things like that. And he's gotten to that point in his journey as an entrepreneur where you just see opportunity everywhere. And when somebody says, how can you afford to work for yourself, the response is, how can you afford not to? And with that, I want to say, hey, Noah, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks, Jack. Pleasure to be here. So we're going to talk about running a greenhouse today, specifically for a profit. We're going to talk about some other side hustles, uh, multiple sources of income, and things like that. Before we do, though, who is Noah Long, man? Like, just like, you know, what's, what's kind of your background? Take us back to, like, your spacing out in high school and, and how you end up kind of where you are at today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I got, uh, I'm 22 years old right now, and uh, I got involved in uh, the greenhouse industry back in my junior year of high school, which would have been like 2015, 16 area, and I was in a uh, horticulture class, and I got um, really involved in my in that ag horticulture class, planting in the greenhouse and get everything started, and uh, we did some landscaping projects around, um, around the campus, and... Uh, 
I just, I really fell in love with it. It was so cool to be able to uh, take a cutting of something hmm. and stick it in the ground and grow it and have it root. It's not like a, a store where you have to buy inventory to sell inventory. It's like you can collect seeds and save uh, cuttings and and be able to have inventory out of nothing, which I just felt was awesome. It is almost and, magical, uh, isn't it? You know, that you can just take this little piece and, you know, some are easier to do than others, but you, the fact that you can just cut this little thing that people pay money for, show oh, yeah, some yeah. wet soil and then it grows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even, not even wet soil, sometimes just water. Yeah. And, uh, I, things are, it's a lot easier than a lot of people, uh, want to, want to believe it is. And uh, I just, I fell in love with it immediately. And uh, as I transitioned into my senior year of high school, I didn't want to take an ag class anymore. And um, the professor, as a, I don't know, some sort of threat, had told me that I can't work in the greenhouse anymore if I don't take an ag class, even if I do it after school. And I just said, well, to hell with it. <laughs> so <laughs> I went and built my own greenhouse at my house. And it uh, was a little 10 by 20 um grass or glass greenhouse and my dad does construction and we get all sorts of just stuff and junk and uh just free material that a lot of people throw away we save the customer dumpster space and uh, we get free material so that little 10 by 20 greenhouse i got all the screws for free all the wood for free the glass for free the tin for free all I had to buy was a little adapter to make the stove we had fit the pipe that we had and uh, spray foam to seal up some of the um, seals. Everything else was was free, and I know not everybody can do that, but uh, I think if people shop around, they can really um, find stuff like that, looking on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and stuff like that. Um, but anyways, I did that, and um, that was 2017, my senior year of high school. And uh, I started growing my own plants. I saved some uh, compost that we had had from some mulch we got years back, and I bought some cheap uh, pots off of eBay, little 10-cent pots, and just started uh, saving my seeds and buying stuff online um, and plant things. And I did, like, medicinal herbs and tomatoes and vegetables, you know, stuff that was quick turnaround. And I would take it, uh, I made a little pamphlet, would take it to school, and I would sell these plants to my teachers and my friends and whatnot. <laughs> And uh, I made like two to three thousand dollars. I didn't keep great records at the time. Two to three thousand dollars just in that short season selling stuff that I, I had like a hundred dollars invested into, maybe two hundred dollars invested into it, and made a few thousand dollars before I even knew what I was doing. It was really, really awesome. And then from there, I jumped um, to college. I went to College of the Ozarks down in Hollister, Missouri, right next to Branson. It's a work study college. Um, you graduate with zero debt. You have to pay your room and board, but you work for it. Um, I didn't graduate from there. I got married and had to leave um, two years into it. But uh, I went and worked at um, the greenhouse on campus there. I took a bunch of horticulture classes. And then I also, um, there's a nearby church that had bought a greenhouse, and it was like 24 by 50 or so. And they were trying to um, provide food and jobs for the community nearby because it was kind of a small community that didn't have a lot of grocery stores and stuff like that there in Rockaway Beach. So they were trying to um, build business and stuff. So they hired me to prove that it could actually grow stuff and make money and whatever. And it was really cool. I grew some uh, tomato plants and lettuce and 
when I walked in, the girl had done a good job. She had done these raised beds before me, and they looked really nice, but I saw she was growing lettuce and kale and leafy greens and stuff in there, and I'm, I walk in, and I see all this beautiful stuff growing on the ground, and I kind of look up, and they're just using the first foot of the greenhouse, the, uh, the first foot height of the greenhouse. So I uh, went in and made these poles to trellis up cucumbers and trellis up tomatoes and all sorts of stuff. And uh, we got to growing peppers and using more space in the greenhouse. And uh, right when stuff was producing in that greenhouse, uh, that was when I got married and went back home. So I got everything set up and going for them, and they took it off from there. And I moved back home and did construction with my dad for a little bit. And uh, then COVID hit back, uh, when was that, like early early of the year to 2020, right? And um, in small town, I'm from Warsaw, Missouri. Um, it didn't hit as bad here, but right at the beginning, everybody was freaking out, and uh, we weren't sure what we were going to do. Uh, we didn't want to be in people's houses not knowing exactly what this disease was um now i have the same feelings i listen to you a lot jack uh same feelings as you do about this whole great uh scam of a virus <laughs> but at the beginning we were worried about about it um so instead of going in people's houses and doing work my dad started doing outdoor jobs but i took that as a uh, great opportunity for me to just jump out of the construction business and really do what i love because i've been doing it for about six months with him and uh, so I came home, I uh, got my 10 by 20 greenhouse going again because it had really gotten overrun while I was in college. And then that fills up. I don't know if you've ever owned a greenhouse, Jack, or uh, ever I, worked in one before. Yep, yep, got one right now. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but no matter how big your greenhouse is, you always fill it up quickly and wish you had more space. Absolutely. I don't know in Texas as much, but here in Missouri, you know, our season's not quite as long. And uh, so you fill it up quickly. So I put up a quick um, 10 by 50 greenhouse um, out of carports, used carports that we got really cheap or free from people, and uh, just draped some cheap greenhouse plastic over it and started doing that again. And that really took off last year, um, selling my vegetable stores and stuff like that. And uh, so when... My plant season started slowing down after I made a bunch of uh, plant sales. I had to figure out how to make an income after that without jumping back into the construction business. Because right around now, into the next month, people really quit buying vegetable plants and stuff like that. So I was going to a local produce and plant auction, picking up some of the plants that I couldn't get myself, like some of the perennials and stuff that takes a little bit longer to get started. And uh, they started selling produce, and I was selling my plants at a local farmer's market here in Warsaw. Well, I started buying produce and peddling produce and uh, such. And there's good money in produce, too, actually. I don't make a killing right now because a lot of my money that I'm making is getting reinvested back into my business. Um, so that was last year. Fast forward to this year, I've now put up a 30 by 36 greenhouse, so it's just over a 1,000 square foot, quite a bit bigger. I've got it up by the highway where people can see it really easily. I've got my Facebook page up and going really well, and 
I've got my aquaponics. I didn't tell you this. I have an aquaponics system down at my small greenhouse, and you kind of inspired me to get going in on that. I uh, had learned about it before, had studied it deeply in college, and when I came back and was listening to because my dad was listening to you on the construction site, I really started thinking, you know, this guy, this Jack, he sounds crazy. He's a little bit of a nut job, <laughs> but he makes this aquaponics system sound a lot simpler than these books I'm reading and these YouTube videos I'm watching. I ought to just do it. You know, I have the stuff to do it. So I invested just a small, maybe a hundred, couple hundred bucks into a small system. I say small. It's probably 300 gallons. <clears throat> and, um, got that up and going. So I moved that up to my big greenhouse. Now I have a, kind of part-time employee that I 1099 out and uh, that's where I'm at right now. I've got shrubs and all sorts of stuff, so awesome, awesome. So, kind of just take us to the next level on doing this for profit. Like, what does that overall business model really look like? What do people need to think about? You know, have you become a licensed nursery? That's easier than people think. Um, how do you market, like that type of thing? How do we take this from being something that we can make some really great side money, fence post money, to something that's more of a true commercial operation? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge-scale operation yet. My business is growing every week. I uh, put new implements and stuff in, in my business, new um, leveling stuff like that. So I'm not a huge business, but I want to encourage people that it's a lot easier to start than they think. Hmm. You don't have to have this great big greenhouse to start out with. Um, I started just starting seeds inside my house. So you got to find a source for soil, obviously, and a source for pots. And you don't want to go to Walmart or the Dollar Tree or any of those stores to get that stuff because you're going to get ripped off on prices. You want to look for online wholesalers mm. that can wholesale you even small quantities of stuff. And... Uh, and then you want to get a good supplier of seeds. You don't just want to go to Amazon and buy some seeds because some people will do rip you off on that too. And um, you just want to get your seeds started early. Uh, I start mine and depending my hot peppers, I start in December and then I start more of my tomatoes and milder peppers in um, January and February. But you want to just be able to heat your greenhouse, which can be a problem depending on where you're at. And here in Missouri, um, like I said, I start heating mine in December, January when I'm starting my seeds. Mm. And uh, I do wood stove right now. I'll be upgrading to a propane furnace in uh, this fall. And I'll still have the wood stove in there because, like you say, uh, two is one is none and two is one. Two, so is, two is none and one is I'll none, be, yep. Yep, yep. And uh, I'll, so I'll have my wood furnace still in there, but I'll also be fitting in a propane furnace. So you want to find a source for soil, a source for pots, a source for um, seeds or cuttings or plugs, depending on what you're wanting to do. If people are just wanting to test the waters to dip their toes into this, you don't have to invest but maybe 50 or 60 bucks into getting some stuff. And uh, it's, it's super easy. So if you're looking for quick turnaround to dip your toes in the water, you want to do um, vegetable plants annuals like petunias, geraniums, coleus, stuff like that, and uh, herbs. People love herbs, especially perennial herbs. If you can get your hands on, like, 
mints, um, lemon balms, bergamot, um, chamomile, comfrey. People eat that stuff up. So if you can get your hands on some herb seed or another thing that I did, if I don't want to invest a bunch of money, because I'm not, I'm not a rich dude, you know, I'm, I'm pinching pennies being uh, frugal where I can. And, uh, <clears throat> I go to my neighbor's houses actually. And they have stuff that they just want thinned out. So we got some comfrey from a neighbor. So we've got our own comfrey patch now. I found somebody on this Missouri Homesteaders page that was selling strawberry starts super cheap. So I went and bought a bunch of those and potted them up and got them looking really nice. And you can really have some low investment opportunities to make some money on this. And uh, I would encourage people, if they don't want to get a huge investment in it to start simple and to just get stuff that's a quick turnaround. Now, if you want to upgrade from that, which last year was quick turnaround stuff, this year I'm more into um, long-term planning. Mm. So I got my hands on shrubs, which shrubs, they can take two or three years to really look nice. I got some shrubs that are called quick-turn shrubs. Um, so I bought them this year in the spring, and they'll be ready next year spring summertime looking really good and really bloomed so that would be a way to upgrade is getting your hands on shrubs trees um and more your perennial landscaping plants i primarily do vegetable plants and landscaping plants but i'm going to try to in the next couple of years get a hold of more medicinal um use stuff and more fruit trees and nut trees that way people can get more than just beauty out of uh there's more than just vanity in these plants. A lot of these have medicinal uses and edible uses or even just uses for um, fodder for your plants. Like I grew duckweed and water hyacinth to feed to my chickens for a while. So it's it's really cool and really fun, and, and people love – if you can teach somebody something about about what you're doing, they will nine times out of ten spend money at your business. So Yeah, and it's, it's a really marketable product. I – I kind of marveled when I moved to Hot Springs. I've, you know, finally we had a decent farmer's market, and so we went to the farmer's market. It was not really very decent. It was pretty small, and pretty much everybody was selling peppers, tomatoes, and cucumbers. Well, most yeah. of the people going there, right, they were people that cared about you know, the food they ate, so they grew some of their own food. They kind of went there to get other things. Well, what do you think everybody <clears throat> grows in Arkansas? Peppers, tomatoes, and cucumbers. So, like, it didn't yeah. seem like... The people selling sold much. The guy that did chickens and rabbits and all, he did pretty good. Um, he had to take orders for his rabbits. He couldn't legally sell the rabbits there, but he sold the chickens, and that got people to talk to him, and they could go to the farm and pick up his rabbits, you know. But the guy that had people yeah. just slamming them sold plants. There's a guy, yep. you know, there's a guy down the here selling a tomato. This guy's selling a tomato plant, and he was selling five to one at a farmer's market, you know. And I'm like, yep. I don't even think that's the best place to market plants, but... When you, to me, I always say, like, if you want to know a business to be in, go to a show, a market, something like that, and look for the ones that are doing brisk business. Like, like that's why I think food businesses are good. You ever go to, like, a, you know, like an outdoor show or a boat show or something, and the guy selling beef jerky is, like, slammed? And you're like, yeah. maybe you should be in the beef jerky business instead of the, the artificial jig business. I don't know, you know. I mean, like, it, so when you see that response from people, you know you're on a, kind of a hot button thing. I've always said sell what people want versus what they need because people cut their needs first and their wants second. I, it's, it's counterintuitive, but yeah. it's what people do. Yeah. 
Yeah, and another thing is at these farmers markets. So I set up at a farmers market. I set up a stand at a local gas station. I kind of bounce around, and I'm also trying to get more people to drive actually to my business to my physical location to get stuff. But that's a little bit harder because I'm a little bit out uh, on the outskirts of town. But if you have what people want, they will drive to you. Yeah, and uh, most of my competition there in Warsaw, they sell. I sell this stuff too, like like you said, tomatoes, peppers, and cucumbers, sweet corn, watermelon, cantaloupe. That's stuff easy to get your hands on. I primarily do only local produce, so mm. it, I sell it when it's in season. And some farmers markets, you have to grow your own stuff. Some stuff you can get it from other growers. I do grow some of my own stuff. I've got a probably a half acre garden planted right now with tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and zucchini, but. Like you said, some of those specialty items that they can't get other places. I've got a guy that grows organic lettuce for me just up the road. Mm. I've got uh, some people that grow mushrooms for me. I also do um, I wild harvest mushrooms like chanterelles. I was just listening to one of your podcasts. You were talking about eating puffballs and morels and yeah. wood ears and everything else. And I was just thinking, you know, I chanterelles will be out in a few weeks and uh, – I pick those and sell and wild harvested mushrooms. Now you got to be careful with them, uh, so you really want to get something that you can identify and get the correct um, licenses and identifications. But you're good to go after you get a certified mushroom guy to uh, look at them and give you their approval. But there's some good money in that sort of stuff. I get these little pint boxes and uh, I just pick a few mushrooms. I make them look nice and full. But that's seven dollars. For that little pint box is what I sell them for. And I know people up in bigger cities like St. Louis, Kansas City, Springfield near me are getting way more money than that. And uh, and I, I've got no money invested into this, I into those mushrooms. I go and I pick them up from the woods, and uh, I don't clean them off or anything. They're just, as they come, I cut the tops off. But I carry them. I've been doing this since I was like 13 years old for ourselves, but I've been selling them for about four years. And I get these little um, baskets from the Dollar Tree. They're trash can baskets, and they're metal. A lot of pe- I know we're probably digressing a little bit, but a lot of people mushroom hunt, and uh, they just stick their mushrooms in Walmart sacks. And I'm like, that is the dumbest thing <laughs> you can do is walk around with a mushroom in a Walmart sack. You want to get a mesh bag or like those trash cans that I ca- carry. Yep. Because everywhere you walk, you're dropping those spores. And like what we were talking about with propagation and getting seeds and just free inventory every year we have umpteen more mushrooms growing on our property because we walk around with those baskets and we spread the spores all over the property and that's just another those niche markets um i've got that guy that grows that organic lettuce he makes a hot pepper jelly there is no place anywhere near us except for maybe walmart where you can get some decent hot pepper jelly yellow tomatoes heirloom tomatoes um, I had a lady, I, I sell watermelon and the watermelon I sell is delicious, but when I can, I get my hands on yellow watermelon or orange watermelon and I cut them open and I sample them. And that is some of the best watermelon you can get is that yellow watermelon is just super sweet. I had a lady come up to me and I tried to give her a sample of it and she told me that that's not the way God intended watermelon to look was yellow. And I just about, I just about had a fit with her. 
Oh, God. I don't think she realizes that the original watermelons weren't bright red on the inside either. <laughs> I was just thinking but, the same thing with tomatoes. The tomato was originally yellow. The original wild tomato was a yellow form tomato. It's yeah, it's, and they're tiny. The original <laughs> like, like, carrot. Everybody thinks that uh, like the purple carrot is like this you know unique new thing, and it was one of the original colors of wild carrots that, that <clears throat> were cultivated. I mean, it's it's funny people think that way. Everybody's gotten. Like I call it GMO paranoia, you know, where they think yeah. a, a high, if it's a hybrid, it's a it's a GMO, and it's God, you know, and, or, yeah. or you know, every time they like I saw one thread. This is a digression, but it was just interesting. It was a t pepper. Somebody had cut it open, and one of the seeds had germinated inside the pepper, and occasionally that happens. It's kind of cool, and mm -hmm. um, th there was an incredible group. Uh, like it was like a cackle of Karens. Losing their mind that that was is a GMO pepper and it's, I, I it's, okay you know and you don't like there's one the times when you like you want to help online and you look at it and go no no let that no. let that dumpster just burn and float down the river that's great yeah. you know um, yeah, yeah. it's interesting that you have to explain things like that well, to people and yeah and I got uh, one more thing on that that note with um, the sales in the farmers market like I said earlier. If you can teach somebody something about your product they don't already know, you will almost always make a sale. Mm -hmm. So like what you're talking with the seed germ, I think that's called viviparry. Yep. I, I think that's correct. Um, but you can teach people about that stuff, but the ignorance people have sometimes just baffles me. And most people want to know the truth, so you can teach them. And they, most people that show up to the farmer's market, probably not most people in the world, Yeah. But most people that show up to the farmer's market actually want to be educated on this stuff. Um, but there's a lot of ignorance surrounding produce and uh, plants and stuff. I've got people that think, like you mentioned, hybrids, that you can't save seeds from hybrid <laughs> tomatoes. And it's like you can save the seeds from the hybrid tomatoes, but it won't necessarily be the same kind of tomato when it produces. You know, uh, I've saved plenty of seeds from hybrid tomatoes. They just don't come up. You may grow a celebrity tomato, but when it comes up, it may be a celebrity that was mixed with a yellow pear or something and come out weird looking. And then one of my favorite ones is I have people that argue with me that if they plant their tomato plant next to a hot pepper plant, oh, no. that their tomatoes will be spicy. <laughs> have I, you ever heard that? I have heard things like that. I've heard the same thing with, you know, uh, squashes. If you plant two yeah. squashes of this, you know, the same variety next to each other, that they'll cross pollinate and produce, you know, weird squashes this year. That season, not, yeah. not next yeah. season. If there's a cross pollination and it's like, man, somebody failed sixth grade millennium genetics. Like, you know, like this is yeah. this is not well, hard. Square. Yeah, this is not hard <laughs> to understand. I always use dogs to explain this. I'm like, so if we have a shepherd and a collie. And they make babies, and their little puppies will be shepherd collie babies. But the mama collie doesn't turn into a shepherd collie, right? And if people look at you, and what it, what it comes down with sales is there's there's only two things you cannot sell to. One is poverty. If the person just doesn't have the money, you cannot sell to them. Um, yeah. Or willful ignorance. You can sell to yeah. ignorance because it's an opportunity to educate, but willful ignorance. Yeah. Is it as soon as you identify that in the world of sales and marketing, you go to the next person. It's like, oh, next, 
and you're done. And it's the willful, ignorant yeah. person that will waste your time at a trade show, at a market. Like, they'll just want to talk and talk and talk. And yeah. you got to gently, so nobody thinks you're being a total dick, kind of, like, kick them out. I had a guy totally unrelated yeah. at, a, at a trade show in New York City. We're paying, like, $10,000 a day to be in this show. It was when I was on the test equipment. And he's telling everybody, you can get this stuff on eBay. You know, he's got that kind of, like, Brooklyn accent. You can get to They have it all. It's all on eBay. You can, it's like, get the hell out of here. You know? <laughs> you're not wrong, but yeah. you're not helping. That's used equipment. We're the manufacturer, you know. Oh, man, yeah. I don't miss certain things. So here's something I've noticed, though, when I've been talking to you so far and reading your notes where you submitted for the show. You're from like a rural small town, and I hear people all the time, you understand, I don't have the opportunity, I live in a small town, yeah. you know, and they're, it's basically fear manifesting as an excuse. How do you get over that and develop the opportunity that exists in small towns? Because there's people, there's opportunity. And I think often in small towns, like, the opportunity is bigger because, you know, you don't just drive five minutes in any direction and end up at a box store, right? So there's, since there's less mass availability, there's more opportunity for the small person. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm coming from a town that's like 2,000 to 3,000 people. I mean, it's and I don't even live in that town. I live 15 minutes from that town in another town that all we have is a gas station and a post office. So that's where I'm coming from, and I'm able to make a living out there. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not getting rich, but another thing with being in rural communities, I can make a lot less money than people in the cities and still live okay because the cost of living is so much cheaper. Um, but, yeah, I have a lot of people um, from my grade and my class that tell me that this is just a crappy town. There's nothing to do. There's no opportunities to hear, and they try to get out at their first um Their first chance to get out of this town, they leave because there's no opportunity. And I just feel like saying, bullshit, you know. <laughs> and I, I've always known that there's plenty of opportunity in this town and in other uh, rural towns. Um, but after listening to your show, I'm able to articulate it a little bit more on just why these people are making these excuses. They don't, they don't see... I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day when you mentioned that entrepreneurs are a different breed of people. We think differently. And I think that's what it boils down to is I've got friends that uh, say there's no opportunity here, there's no job opportunities, and they're looking to get a job for somebody to pay them X amount of dollars or whatever. And your options are Walmart, uh, another little grocery store in the area, Dollar Tree or gas stations or a couple fast food places, and that's about it in this area. Mm. Unless you work for another entrepreneur, you know, that um, we live in kind of a lake weekender um, community, so there's a lot of boat places that you can work and stuff like that as well, and marinas. But, yeah, the way I get past it is just do what you love. If you don't love what you're doing... Have a plan to get out of it. Um, I really, I say my, I've got my three P's. My passion is for plants and people. So I do everything in my will to make this, I'm going to make it work. There's no way I'm not going to make it work. I may have to change. I can't be stuck in my ways. I may have to um, uh, develop my opinion on certain stuff or change the way I'm marketing or change what I'm selling. 
but I'm going to make this business work, and I am. And it's just really, really awesome. There's tons of opportunities for other side hustles besides the uh, greenhouse industry because there's a bunch of other little greenhouses popping up in this area now, and they haven't hurt my business at all. If anything, they've helped my business because it makes people more aware that there's more places to buy stuff than Walmart and the other box stores. Not to pick on Walmart, but no, that's no, we, no. But hold there a second. That's an interesting observation. So if you think about every little tourist town that people go to, and the guy like me just wants to sit on his ass, look at a tree, watch a bird sing, drink a beer, and do nothing, and your wife wants to do what? Let's go shopping. Every yeah. town like that is full of little gift shops. 80% yeah. of the shit is the same in all the shops. You got about a 20% differential. And if there was one shop there, no one would go. It is diversity and kind yeah. of this like going from place to place to place. Because when you said that, I was just like, you know, I have a few nice nurseries around here, but they're really spread out, really far away. Like if there was a place where there's like 20 nurseries, I'd probably, yeah. I'd probably have less money. I, I, I'm like a plant addict. I'd be like, like you know, every few Saturdays, you know, you know, apart. I let's go to the nursery mall, right? I mean, like, like so. There's yeah. actually like a, a, a total value there because small nurseries are never going to do anything and probably shouldn't try. So, like, when you look over yeah. and you see your competitions in this niche and you go in that niche, and then all of a sudden, you can like. Good businesses tend to refer business to each other too. Like, well, I'm really looking for crepe myrtles. We do. You know, I, I don't like. I, you know, we don't do crepe myrtles, but build those crepe myrtles, right? And then, yeah. then your value add to that customer, you're both going to get business from that customer for years. That's yeah. a great point. See that? <clears throat> I I call them competition, but really they're my friends. Yeah, they really are. And uh, I, <clears throat> especially Bobby, um, he's up the way from me. He's uh, just probably four miles from my place. He's got a greenhouse. He sells some of the same stuff that I do, and we both do we both do well. He does it more of a side hustle, and not as his main business. Yeah. And we refer things to people. We refer each other to people all the time. There's another place that's actually in Warsaw that has a smaller greenhouse than I do. They live in town, so they can't expand. I've got 20 acres. It's my dad's property. He's letting me build on there. Um, but why not? Why go into debt over something when I'm able to? <laughs> build it on a place that's right on the highway you know but he, i've got plenty of room to expand i've got 20 something acres he told me i could use and the guy in town he's got a little lot now i commend him for taking up like 50 percent of his backyard with a big greenhouse in the okay. middle of town and um you know we live in a place where there's like no building code you know there's no i mean there's hoas and stuff but Man, you can pretty much do what you want out here, which is really nice. And uh, so he put that greenhouse up there, and he grows a lot more hanging baskets than I do, and less vegetable plants. So we refer we refer business to each other a lot, and it's it's really cool. And it's I think our customers do bounce back and forth between us all the time, and um, I think they're getting fed up with, especially like. Recently, Walmart had put in some uh, self-checkouts. Instead of just putting in self-checkouts, they replaced everything with self-checkouts. And as annoying as annoying that is to me as a customer, that just means there's people are saying they're not going to shop there anymore. They're done with Walmart. They're done. That just sends more people my way. Mm -hmm. And 
because people want to deal with that in per, that in person. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, oh, it's I'm having a brain fart. They want to deal uh, with the person anyways, they, they, they know they, on a first name basis, right? They want to know the person yes. they're doing business with. Yeah, and if you call one of these box stores or like one of the major greenhouses and. Not the major greenhouses as much, but like the box stores, you get thrown to this apartment, thrown to that apartment, and you never really get an answer on anything. If you contact my business, you're getting a hold of me or my one worker, and we both know everything about the business. Um, so that's really nice, and I think my customers enjoy that. And uh, they well, like and to your have business different is, options of stuff, too. Yeah, your business is different, too. Like, care of the product until I buy it from you is actually really important. Um, yeah, you know, I was at a Walmart one time, and I was stand, I was just having to be walking, and I, I usually go through their garden entrance just because there's less people there and it's less crowded. Yeah, and there was like three Mexican dudes that worked at Walmart, and they were standing there looking at these plants, and these plants were dead. I mean, they were yeah. like wind beaten, dry to the bone, whatever. And I went up to them, and I said, <laughs> I said to them in Spanish, "If you put water on them, they live." And they looked at each other, and I just walked away. And it was probably a good, like, they were in shock. And, like, 30 seconds after I walked away, I heard them, like, going off in Spanish at each other and, like, flipping out and being, like, offended or whatever. But it's like, well, you, you got to water them. Like, they're in, they're in six packs, right? Like, there's only, like, an ounce yeah. of soil there. You can't just leave it yeah. sit in the sun. And in our, our weather's a little different than yours. I kind of know your area. Our springs are freaking windy like chicago has got nothing dallas is the real windy city and so you've got high yeah. wind you've got dry climate and hot sun well you can't yeah. just stick that shit out there and expect it to survive unless you water it five or six times a day and they don't take care of it they don't like yeah. i can't and tell you how many times like i've needed something and like i didn't start that this year and i'll go pick some up and you look at it and go i'm not buying that that's crap yeah. you know so there's a and huge they, opportunity and there and then they try to discount it, and it's like it's a dead plant. You just but it's garbage, it right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and they and what they what they do is they get their plants from reputable growers. Sure. I've seen their plants when they come in; they are nice plants. But then they go and they set them on asphalt, hmm. and they just let them bake. And uh, you, they have teenagers like me. I care about my plants. Now, don't get me wrong; stuff still dies on me. Sure. There's stuff that gets neglected, but. 95% of the stuff that's in my greenhouse is beautiful, vibrant, well taken care of. I can tell you exactly what I've done to that plant. Where the guys at Walmart, most of the time you have some teenagers or some people that don't give two hoots about their plants. They're, they show up, they work, they get a paycheck, they go home. You know, they're not invested into the well-being of that plant. And uh, so it, it really does make a difference. It does make a difference. Well, and you can't expect that they would be, okay? I mean, you're talking about kids making 10 bucks an hour. It's a job. I go to work. I ring the bell. I go home. I ring the bell. I get a paycheck every week, and it's less money than I think I deserve. Yeah. And I remember yeah. having jobs where I felt that way. I mean, that's how you – that's – if you can't get – I'll put it to you this way. Walmart can't get you to go work in their garden center. You won't do it. Yeah. The person that cares the way you do will not take that job. Therefore, the person that takes that job cannot possibly care the way that you do. And when you get a person yeah. like that that takes a job like that, when you're when you you'll learn this as you expand and hire people. Like that's going to be your hardest thing. When you find a person, you're like, "This is my guy. If I can clone this guy, I would be a multimillionaire." You can't clone them, and nine times out of ten, <laughs> you can't keep them. 
they're there for yeah. a time, and they're they're so far from their pinnacle, they're going to go do something somewhere else, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's something the small business can be agile, and even if you end up with four or five people, you can micromanage where you need to four or five people. You can't micromanage. 50 people. And you can't get enough good yeah. managers to manage 50 people either. I'm sorry, you can't do it. Yeah. Not in this, not in the business and, you're in. And the managers, a lot of the managers there don't even know uh, exactly what they're doing with the plants either. They're there to sell, to move product. And uh, my stuff, my shrubs and stuff is more expensive than Walmart, but like my annual plants, like my vegetable plants, they're cheaper than, than those box stores because a lot of the box stores, you sell like a tomato plant For, th for like three fifty four dollars for yeah. a single plant, and I've got them at three bucks, and sometimes I run discounts, and I also sell them in four packs, and the four packs are like dirt cheap, like two to three bucks, depending what it is. And uh, my customers appreciate that, and I have people telling me that they go to these box stores and get plants, and they come back to me a week later, and they start asking me what's wrong with their plant. I said you got it off of a off of a lot that where it was baking on asphalt, you sure. know. There's there's not much you can do to get that stuff to succeed, um, so and it's nice because you call Walmart and you or big box store and you ask them, hey, my plant's dying. What do I need to do? And they're like, well, we don't know. Come in and replace replace it. Replace it. Yeah, we'll give you another <laughs> shitty plant, right? Like that's that's the solution. Yeah. I'll give your plant's dead, so I'll give you another half dead plant that'll be dead next week. And yeah. they can do that because they know that eventually you'll stop coming back. Right, you yeah. just you just like yeah. I guess I can't. And you, what most of your, what most people that will never become your customer will do, and the reason they won't is because they'll assume it's their fault, and they just say, "Well, it's not for me. I can't grow plants. No, you can't yeah. resurrect the dead." Right, like yeah. that's and, Jesus's job. That's also, not your job. <laughs> yeah, there's also the case where you know it may not have been the plant. They may have got it early when they first got them shipped in, and the plants were still good and everything, yep. but. Maybe their soil sucks. Maybe they haven't been having a good watering routine. Maybe they planted a tomato plant underneath of a walnut tree and it gets no sun, you know? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so where you can call these big box stores, they don't know squat about them. You can call or text me and um, get answers. And nine times out of ten people text me. If I don't know the answer, Google, <laughs> you know? I can I can learn stuff quickly because this is my passion. I don't have to make up BS. And <clears throat> my biggest thing with my customers is trust. I don't want customers um, having a bad experience with me and not telling me. Um, and I don't want them having a good experience with me and not telling their friends. So I make sure that I have good quality stuff. And even if it costs me money, because sometimes I get stuff like my produce, I can't grow everything that I sell. I can grow maybe a couple of the crops, and then I have to outsource some of my other stuff. And I'm really trying to build relationships, <clears throat> which is what we'll be talking about a little bit later, I think, is with the Amish in the area that grow. One of them grows strawberries, zucchinis, and cucumbers. And when I say strawberries, he doesn't have a little strawberry patch. I mean, he's picking these these flats. They're... Um, 12 pints to a flat, so that's six quarts or a gallon and a half or whatever. He picks 200-something of those every week right now. That is a lot of strawberries. And uh, so I built relationships with them and some of my other local growers. 
So everything that I get is as local as possible, but I still can't find everything that my customers want. So I have to go to an auction and sometimes pick up cantaloupe or sweet corn, um, stuff like that. And sometimes I do get product that just sucks. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't push it and try to sell it for the same price. I either am very upfront and give a deep discount or I just don't set it out at all. Um, and I'll take the hit on that because a hit short term, if your customers, if your customers can trust you, a hit short term and they know it will lead to, um, long term loyalty. And, uh, you, you can't beat customers that are loyal. I've got customers that come and they'll spend hundreds of dollars on me. I've got friends and stuff that, uh, <clears throat> bought stuff. I did a prepaid thing because in January I was needing some other stuff done. I didn't quite have all the money. So I did a prepaid thing where they could pay anywhere between $10 and $200 upfront cash. And later in the season, they could get 20% extra. So if they paid $10, they'd, they'd get $12 worth of produce. If they paid $100, they'd get $120 worth of produce or plants. And I got about $1,000 worth of stuff early on. And I've got customers that, spent $200 on that prepaid thing, already spent it all, and is buying more stuff. And uh, it's it's really awesome to have customers that are loyal and that really enjoy your product. It it really means the world to me. So. Sorry, still there, Jack? Yeah, I'm still there. So, so what I was thinking when you were saying that is, like, there's things you can do that with. You can kind of outsource and, and go to a second tier. And everybody I know that's successful in – this style, I'm not going to say this this business, this style of business um, does that. And then there's things you can't. Like you said, sometimes you like you try it, you take a hit on it, and you just don't go back to that supplier. When we were doing yeah. it, we, we still sell eggs, but it's more of a, it's a very much a, a little hobby pay for the feed thing now. But when we were doing it more commercially, yeah. when my wife had the time, we, we got to the point where we could have expanded. I mean, we could have been the duck egg kings of, of, of Texas. Like, we had restaurants that we couldn't take, and we, I started looking at the possibility of doing that. And I really quickly said I would, I, I would end up losing everything because, I, I, I hate to sound arrogant, but no one else had the quality. And whenever I talked yeah. to anybody about it and said, look, this is what you need to do if you want me to tie you into my market, and, well, that, that food's too expensive. Okay, well, what do you get for your eggs? <laughs> well, $4 a dozen. Do you sell them all? No. Well, how would you like to sell all of them for eight? Because I was already like, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to mark them <clears> up to 10. So I'll take 20% for something I don't do any work for, right? And, uh, yeah. well, yeah, I would like, well, then get this food. And if like, well, do the math and figure out how much better off you'd be because all you have to do is make eggs and give them to me. That's all you have to do. And you get $8 a dozen for all you can make. Well, it's still so expensive. And you just, okay, I'm done. I'm I, I can't, I can't work with you. I, there's no way I can take this lower quality thing and give it to my customer under my brand. But if yeah. I'm selling, you know, tomato plants and your tomato plants look nice, I'll do that all day long. You know, that's that's totally a different thing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and and for sure, I've gotten one time I got some peaches um, that were just one week they were delicious, like the mm. best peaches I've ate in my life, like drip down your chin. You're trying to, like, suck all the stuff off the pit. <laughs> Good peaches. 
and uh, they sold a dollar a peach. Like, that sounds expensive for a peach, and it probably was. <laughs> I had a lot of money invested into getting those, but they were worth it. They were sold out in, like, two hours at sitting at the market. And then the next week, I go and get peaches, and they were disgusting. I <laughs> ate one. I couldn't finish the thing, and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So I had a couple of personal friends um, take them off my hands at pretty much cost, and uh, they made some, like, fruit jerky or something out yeah. of it because they could add sweeteners and whatnot, Peach too. Meat um, or but, something, you know, yeah. I was very upfront with that. And it's hard to get quality stuff from people you don't know. Excuse me. And um, so getting stuff at that auction, you have to look at um, who's growing what. You really got to check stuff out before you get it. And if it, if you can, get it from your friends, get it from your neighbors, or expand to where you can do it yourself. So that's pretty much what I have to say about that with, with the quality. And you talk about too expensive. <laughs> I, I was listening to you the other day. Uh, I forget who you were talking to. With the hip camp guy, yeah, he does coffee beans. Brian, and you were talking about, <clears throat> yeah, and you were talking about how people were complaining his beans were expensive for like twenty dollars a pound or whatever, yeah. fifteen twenty dollars a pound. And it's like then you were talking about how you can go to a box store and get a bag for eight dollars, but it's like half a pound, and you're really <laughs> not paying much of a difference. But people still want to complain. It's like with my tomatoes. I have some tomatoes that are just. Phenomenal. I'm not a tomato guy. I don't really like them. I can sell the crap out of tomatoes because I know I have good product. But, like, uh, the grocery store nearest is selling, they call them beef steak tomatoes, and they're two fifty a pound. Well, I set mine in these little um, quart boxes. Like, I stack them up, you know, like you see at a farmer's market or everything. I don't have a certified scale, so I can't sell by weight, so I sell by volume. And, uh, they're $6 a box. And people are sitting there complaining <laughs> that my tomatoes are too expensive. <laughs> it's like, okay, you can go to grocery store and pay 250 a pound. So if you get two pounds, that's five bucks. Yeah. Or you can come to me where you're getting in between two and three pounds for six bucks. And the quality difference is night and day. And I don't have to tell my customers my qual- the quality of my stuff. My customers tell my other customers the quality of my stuff. And um, it's it's really nice, especially when I have a crowd of people at my stand. Because sometimes it's not like one person meanders by. Sometimes it is like that. But sometimes I get like 10 or 12 people in a line trying to get stuff from me. And people will start asking me questions about, is this a hot house tomato? Is this a hybrid tomato? Is it GMO? And like just people yeah. don't know squat about squat is what it comes to. And... uh it's gotten to a point I've been doing this for two years now, which is long enough to have a nice customer base. And I don't even have to educate some people because my customers do it. Like my um, my oyster mushrooms that I sell, <clears throat> um, people ask me how to cook them up, and sometimes they'll see that I'm busy, but they're trying to ask me, and one of my other customers will tell them how they do it, and all of a sudden I've made two sales <laughs> without having to do anything. Um and it's come to a point where sometimes I can't get stuff in or it sells out quickly. And people are disappointed that I ran out because they didn't get there early enough. And they don't want to shop at my competition. And a lot of times my competition, not necessarily a big box store. I don't 
I don't call them my competition because we have two different products. Yes, I sell tomatoes and corn. Yes, they sell tomatoes and corn. Two different products. <laughs> you know, I, I can't compare myself with them. And, um, or they can't compare them with me. Uh, so what, what was I saying? Oh, the customers educating each other. Yeah, it's really, it's really a blessing to have, uh, customers that are willing to do that and they don't want to shop at the other vendors at the farmer's market. Like if I don't have it, they turn around and go home or they prepay me to make sure they have it. I have it next week or whatever. So. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I've said for years, like if you want to look at, Sales, I, I believe in simple, absolute definition. Sales is a transfer of belief. Marketing is telling yep. your story. The best marketing is telling your story so well that other people do it for you and tell your story for you. Yep. We call that viral marketing on the internet. But you know that was a. In, in your case, it's not somebody tweeting out about your thing. It's somebody standing right next to you saying, "Oh, I buy his product all the time because." Like once you have that, you basically have a sales force that works for free. And that is, that is like, you know, uh, that's like automation. What would you do if you didn't have to do it? And the answer is everything, right? And that's like what you're doing. You're, yep. It's like getting worms to work for you and building your soil. Like they work day and night. You sit in the house and it gets more fertile. That's, that is amazing. And, and that's why you're going to continue to grow, man. You really will. Um, why do you feel gardening is really a revolutionary act? That's, that's in your notes to me. Yeah. Yeah, well... I uh, was scrolling through um, social media a couple years ago and I saw this cute little meme or whatever where it was a guy had sliced open a pepper plant or a, a pepper. He picked up the pepper for like, what, 68 cents at, at a grocery store and he gets these seeds out. And this is what we were talking about at the beginning is you can get, you can start gardening with almost no investment at all. You can go and spend 68 cents on your pepper and all of a sudden you've got hundreds of seeds. So we live in a world where everybody wants what's yours. They want your money. They want your time. Um, you call it life force. <clears throat> They're wanting to take it from you. And you have to take control of that yourself. So in the gardening realm, I can go into the woods and I can take clippings of wild bergamot and I can pot them up and sell them and in a world where we have to pay for everything that we that we do and uh, we got to spend money to make money as they say when it comes to gardening you can you can pretty much do it without having a huge investment at all I think that's that's why I call it a revolutionary act is you can do it you can just invest it with very little which is awesome to me so Well, I, I hear people all the time. I've got a kick about you know pushing back on excuse making this week. I guess that is kind of a mm -hmm. normal normal thing for me. But yeah, I can't afford to garden. You can't afford to dig a hole. <laughs> you can't afford to dig a hole. Like, and people say, yeah. well, "Will you talk about this and that?" Like, sure, I do. Like, because that's like the next level. But yeah, like, you know. You use raised beds. Well, I live on a rock. Do you live on a rock? No, then you don't need a raised bed. Dig a hole. Plant something in it. Throw some mulch on it. I can't afford mulch. Go rake leaves. Go rake <clears> leaves <throat> for yeah. your neighbor. Charge them to rake their leaves. Take the leaves home and use them for mulch in your garden. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, good exactly. Lord. You say you can pull yeah. produce. I plant freaking celery cores. I take yeah, I celery, pull all the outside off of it. 
Because I got tired of trying to get celery seed to germinate because it's a pain in the ass. So you just stick it in and it grows. Yeah, and they come up super small and spindly. And, yeah. You, know, you never get the stalks the size that you want. And, but you take yeah. the grocery store celery plant, you stick it in an aquaponics system, and you just oh, wait. Yeah. And you wait, and it explodes. And the second year goes the seed, and it drops 400 million seeds. And that's probably not even an exaggeration if you have two or three plants. And guess what? When there's 400 yeah. million seeds, like... A thousand of them grow good. <laughs> and yep. then you have all these little and celery plants, and you just pull them out. They come right out of the aquaponics media, and then you plant them elsewhere, and then they grow and they do it again. Or if I was you, then you put them in little pots and you sell celery plants. Well, who the hell's not going to buy that? Who's selling celery plants? Or, nobody, right? You know, nobody can grow it. Or pineapple plants, too. There you go. I've done it with pineapple plant tops. You know, people are like, you grew a pineapple here? It's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. And the thing is, you, you talk about... Um, don't grow stuff that you're not going to eat. Like, if you're not going to yeah. eat tomatoes, why are you putting tomatoes in your garden? Uh, <clears throat> so you're buying produce at the store. Let's say you bought celery. You're going to eat the celery. So, okay, you've already spent money on it. So that little piece that you normally throw in the trash, you have no money invested into Zero. it. Zero. Because the money you invested into it, you ate. <laughs> <clears throat> so you've got no money invested into that. Because that's the parts of the plants that you start is the, normally the parts that you throw away. Yeah. You know, and you can do that with celery, with bok choy. Bok choy, absolutely. Cabbage. Like green onions. I do it with green onions all the time. You don't even have to. You can just throw that in some water and like the next week you got more green onions to harvest. You know what and, I do uh, when, I, when, I buy green green, when I buy green onions? I literally store my green onions in either one of my hydro or my aquaponic systems because they store better than in there than in the refrigerator. <clears throat> so I never even yeah. cut them. I bring them home, and I stick them straight in the garden. And then whenever yeah. I need some, I cut them off of there. So the advantage with that is that's not really for selling, but, but for your own use, you never take the energy from the plant. So like when you cut the tip mm -hmm. off and plant it, it grows, but it takes a while. Well, if you just stick it as a, you know, a full-size plant in, It starts going bazonk. And I've got green onions that people are like, are those leeks? You know, <laughs> like they're like, are those leeks? No, they're green onions. And they can't believe it, you know? And it's just, it's like, yeah. and I don't, even, I don't even worry about like, is it organic or whatever? And I buy stuff like that. Because after it's been growing in my system for three weeks, it's whatever was done to it, it's gone. It's, it's amazing yeah. the opportunities like you're talking about here. And like, we're talking about it from two ways one, as a business, and two, for yourself. But uh, it's probably yeah. good that not everybody does it for themselves because then people like you and me have somebody to sell to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So what uh, do you, well, you, you've mentioned this is somewhat seasonal, and you kind of alluded to other opportunities. I imagine there's kind of like a time of the year when you really get started, a time of the year when the money starts to come in, a time of the year where it kind of closes down for you. And so what do you do yeah. for revenue during the downtime? Yeah, so um, let's start at the beginning of the year. Like I said, December, January, February, that's when I start planting my seeds. I have a, a good amount of investment into it, you know, because I'm not doing, you know, a couple hundred plants. You know, I'm doing tens of thousands of plants. Um, so I've got a decent amount of money that i got to invest in December, January, February. Well, come March, April, May, People start spending money on these plants. And, uh, like, in March, not a lot of people are actually thinking about their gardens. 
but you can offer discounts. Like sometimes I was doing some really good discounts in March last year for people that wanted to come and buy stuff early. And I mean, there's snow on the ground outside and people are buying tomato plants from me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there is a little bit of leeway with some of the seasons on there selling stuff. But, uh, really, uh, March, April, May or April and May are going to be your big sellers for plant. And as you, uh, transition into the, uh, Summer, that's when you start really selling your produce. So the plants that I don't sell, unless I started some specifically for myself for certain varieties um, that I want in my garden, I uh, plant the rest of it in my garden. Summer's come around. A lot of my tomatoes are starting to pit on, little green tomatoes. My zucchini's starting to flower really nicely. Um, My pepper plants are getting little tiny peppers on them. So I'm like transitioning out of the plant season and into the produce season. And uh, produce season, I'm selling my tomatoes, watermelon, all that good stuff. And then uh, fall hits, things cool down, people stop buying stuff. It's really strange. People are pretty seasonal with their foods, too. Even though I still have, you know, the tomatoes and the produce in the fall, people just stop showing up and buying it. I don't know know why. I don't know if it's because they expect it to not be there or maybe the weekenders quit coming down as much. And uh, they they are a good bulk of my business, and uh, I don't know, but people really stop buying produce come fall. And so I transitioned into selling pumpkins. I found a source hmm. for uh, hay bales, straw bales, um, corn stalks. I went and bought some corn stalks at this um, at the auction, and uh, they were kind of pricey. I think I paid like a dollar twenty or two dollars a bundle, and I was selling for five dollars a bundle. You could get five bundles for four bucks. And, like, that corn stalk is nothing but ornamental. Yeah. Well, they started getting even pricier at the auction. I'm sitting there thinking, as I'm driving, because I drive an hour 15 minutes to get to You're the driving past so corn. A good amount. <laughs> I'm driving past cornfields. And so I got a hold. I know, right? I felt really stupid. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, the corn that they grow for these corn stalks is taller, a little thicker, looks nicer than field corn. But I stop in at this farmer's place. And I'm sitting there looking out, and there's hundreds of acres of just dry corn stalks. And uh, I talked to him, and I told him I'd pay him X amount of money for these corn stalks. He's like, take as much as you want, and you don't owe me a dime. You know? So I really? went machete, and yeah, I mean, and the thing was... Because he's got to cut I it if you like, don't, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. He's not... He's not putting the organic matter back in the soil anyway, so it's a problem that you're solving for him. Yeah, and I mean, he's got hundreds of acres, and I maybe cleared like a 15 by 15 area or something like that, which for me is a crap ton of corn. Like, that was, I mean, I sold it all, but that was a lot of corn for me, uh, corn stalk. And uh, for him, it was nothing. Like, I didn't even put, like, he probably gets more crop failure than that out of an acre. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was it was nothing for him, and he was just doing something nice for me. I didn't know the guy from Adam, you know, and which is another nice thing about rural communities. People look out for each other, which is really cool. But that's another way that you can get a hold of stuff. Um, you can find I've got some local growers that grow pumpkins and squash and stuff like that that I sell. The hay bales I get from a, a neighbor of mine, the corn stalks, um, mums. People love mums. I think we're starting to transition, like, um, not seasonally, but 
people buy mums every year for the fall. I think people are wanting to start getting something different because mums are nice, but they kind of they kind of come up. They're green all year long, and then they bloom for like a week or maybe two or three weeks if you're really lucky, and then they're done and they're dead and nasty again. So I think people are going to start transitioning to more flowers that kind of continuously bloom in the fall and get those nice fall purple and orange and yellow colors um, and ornamental kales and stuff like that. So um, plant sales pick up in the fall again, but it's a different kind of plant, you know. Um, and then once that in, um, kind of uh, once that season ends, I move into winter, and that's when I start picking up my side hustle work. Um, so the first thing I did was I bought, I went to the Dollar Tree, I picked up, you know, those little wreaths that they make that are just bare, they're just the metal wire so you can make your own wreaths? Yeah. I uh, picked up a whole bunch of those and I picked up some of that cheap, like, uh, floral wire and I went outside with a pair of clippers and I start clipping down all the branches off of our um, um, juniper trees or cedar trees, most people call them. And... Um, clipping branches off of those and i made these really sweet wreaths and i was clipping down um i call it buck brush or deer berry or whatever i don't know they're little twigs of stuff with little red berries at the end they're just growing alongside the driveway same with the cedar trees and i make these wreaths and i'm selling these handmade wreaths for 25 bucks and i've got like a dollar and some change into them <laughs> you know and I sold a few hundred dollars worth of those, maybe for like four or five hundred dollars worth of those, which is, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, that can be a week's wages, you know, um, selling stuff that you've got no money into and you're, you can sit down and do it on your couch. Um, <clears throat> but then the side hustle work really picks in. Like my instinct comes in. I need to, <laughs> I need to go find work. So I pick up, um, uh, like construction work here and there. I do some painting, some sheetrock work, a little minor remodel stuff. I mean, I'll do major remodels with my dad because he's actually in the business very deep. But uh, And he's really good at what he does, and he's taught me a lot, which is you know, part of the thing. Pick up skills. If you want to be a hustler, learn a skill. And you don't have to be a professional to do anything. I think um, maybe... Tim, the tool man cook, was talking about um, hustling once. I forget if it was him or not. But just saying, like, YouTube something, learn how to do it, offer somebody a discount the first time you do it, and see how good you are at it. So you're making money, the person that's paying you is getting a deal, and you're, like, solidifying your skills. So leaf blowing, raking, um, mowing lawns, um, painting, and... uh, and some of this stuff has some initial cost to getting it, but if you have any friends that have this sort of equipment, if they're decent friends at all, they will probably let you borrow it, at least for your first couple jobs, if not charge you a couple bucks for it, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I get a lot of work like that, which has helped me build some of my skills and getting tools and like a lot of this stuff doesn't take any skill like if you rake leaves and burn them just don't burn somebody's place down you know and (laughs) don't burn their you know don't yeah people get worried about that sometimes but another thing like being in the field i am i kind of have an edge on other people when it comes to weed eating and mowing lawns not that i'm some extra skilled weed eater or lawnmower it's because i know my plants 
You know, oh. there's people that are worried about getting their, you know, hostas ran over or somebody just mowing over their irises. Which oh, I follow they, you. It's no, kind of like, you know, you're going to hire a nanny, and if you can hire a nanny that's also like a, 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 a LVN, well, that's yeah. just, you know, your kid's going to be well cared for, right? Like, if something goes wrong, you've yeah. got a medical knowledge. And, like, so you have the plant knowledge. So you're not going to, like, mow somebody's hostas because, yeah, it happens. It you know, I got rid of all those weeds. Yeah. Well, that was lemon balm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, I had somebody that hired me to clean up their lawn early spring. <clears throat> um, they had, their parents had passed away, and they were trying to flip their house, and they did some remodels outside, and they wanted me to clean up their yard outside, and they wanted me to mow everything and weed it down. They weren't really attached to any of the plants there or anything. Well, I'm weeding and mowing around these flowers that they didn't even know was there. And then a couple weeks later, all of a sudden, there's tulips growing and blooming, Mm. and there's a hydrangea coming up that's really nice, not blooming yet, early spring. And uh, there's some other really neat plants that they didn't even realize was there. And uh, they were so thankful that, you know, I kind of knew what I was doing when I was cleaning that up. And you don't necessarily have to know all that to be able to mow a lawn and do a decent job because most of the time the homeowner will come out and tell you, don't hit this, don't yeah. hit that. Um, but, yeah, there's that sort of side hustle work, which is kind of the typical side hustle work that people think about. Um, I've been calling myself um, an Amish Uber. My dad calls me an Amish coyote. Which okay. It's like, well, I don't know about that. You know, he's he's making jokes about me hauling hauling drugs for the Amish. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but um, I've picked up that, um, and there's only like 15 Amish families in our community. Like, it's not a huge Amish community, but they've just moved here in the past four or five years. And uh, I can say whatever I want about them because they'll never hear me on this show <laughs> unless I'm playing it while I'm driving them. Um, but no, most I know every community is a little bit different, so don't necessarily take what I say hard and fast as truth for all Amish because every community is different. Um, but the community here, they're really friendly. They're super nice. I've gotten into their um, – I'm not going to say their inner circle because, like, I think their inner inner circle is strictly Amish people, you know, uh, and I told people I'll never be in that circle because I don't speak Dutch, you know, yeah. and I have a mustache. Um, but I'm kind of, they call us English. I'm in kind of their English circle. So anytime they need something that they can't do themselves, they call me, excuse me, I was drinking a Gatorade. And, uh, well, actually, it's a, it's a zero carb Gatorade because um, I was listening to your podcast with um, what was her name? Niti um, something or other, the Indian chick sounded yeah. southern and uh, yeah, I was listening to that like Monday or Tuesday last week and I'm now eight days keto because of her so awesome. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, sorry about the digression but anyways um, I, I do a lot of hauling for the uh, Amish now and uh, they they don't use cell phones or they don't own cell phones or home phones, and they don't own vehicles, but they don't mind using them. So they'll walk over to their neighbor's house, give me a ring, and then hire me to drive them to Kansas City, which is like a two-hour drive um, one way. So I'll drive two hours there, two hours back, and by the time I'm picking them up and everything, I've got five hours into it, and I charge them 150 bucks for that. And um, 
I think I'm making pretty decent money, but apparently some of the other guys that haul the Amish charge 50 bucks an hour yeah. for their driving. So um, there's there's that too, and um, and I'll say on that the there's oppor- there, there's opportunity in that without Amish. There's tons of people that need shit don't have a truck. Like my yeah. truck was broke down for a while, and we needed like I think I wanted like four yards of uh, topsoil, and I'm not paying a delivery fee for a 10-wheeler for four yards of topsoil. If I need 12, <laughs> we'll talk about it, right? But, like, four yards. Well, my wife went on next door, and in, like, five minutes, he found this old man who's kind of retired. He has a, a dump trailer, and all he does is haul shit for people. And, you know, he's yeah. on Social Security and all. He, does, so he, he did, like, If you don't pay cash, he doesn't do it. And he's like, I stay busy. And I know what I paid him, and I'm like, if he stays busy, he's he's throwing five hundred, a thousand dollars a week in his pocket. That's fifty yeah. that's between twenty five and fifty grand a year for a retired guy that <laughs> that, that if he doesn't want to do it, says no. He doesn't have to. He's like sometimes yeah. people want me to go get something and I don't really want to go that far or I don't want to deal with it, so I just tell them no. Yeah. And exactly. You know, people look at it and say, Well, you know, you're in Fort Worth. No, I'm in freaking Lake Worth. The little town that it's you know down the road for me is like thirteen hundred residents, and I can tell you he's not going down to Fort Worth. He's in his little zone right here. You know, there's like three or four towns of about that size. He just stays there. He doesn't want to go far. But you just think about how many people are like, I want this thing, and then once they talk to other people, oh, I know this guy that'll go get it for you. Because people don't even think about that. They're like, well, what's your delivery fee or whatever? But when you got somebody who'll go take care of it. You know, you need cattle panels. Yeah. That's a pain in the ass. You know, even if you have a truck, they're 16 foot long. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I got a trailer. I'll go do it for you. Okay, fine. Go ahead. You know? So there's yeah. so much opportunity, yeah. dude. There, there, there definitely, there definitely is. And, um, you know, we were talking earlier about people making excuses on not being able to, uh, work for themselves. And, um, I know I'm probably, like, mildly quoting you quite a bit, but you say, um, People wonder how how can you afford to how can you afford to work for yourself and it's like how can you afford not to you know? yeah. and and if it's like I probably make as much money now as I would out working a minimum wage job you know I'm not getting rich at this yet it's a new business people say that it takes four to five years to actually turn a profit on a business I'm tickled to death that I'm able to pay my bills. You know, with what I'm with what I'm making, and a little bit on top here and there, you know. But just to be able to hire somebody for 30 hours a week now is just that's a huge step for me. It's like I am growing that I can afford this, and um, working for yourself is is awesome. And that's kind of one of the things I do in the in the winter is um, when I'm not doing the greenhouse stuff, I'm still working for myself. I don't pick up some winter part-time job flipping patties because guess what? I hate flipping patties. I don't want my employment to be um, dependent on how somebody else feels my um, my skills are, my output is. You know, I want my employment to be 100% based on me. And guess what? I can charge whatever the heck I want. And if I don't want to do the job, I say no. Just like you were talking about your old your old um, friend there that was retired, and uh, it's it's pretty awesome. I was working um, with my side hustle work for like fifteen dollars an hour, which is like that's nothing to balk at in a small community like this, and that's cash, you know. 
at the end of the day. And um and you get paid daily or whenever the job's done. And uh or you bid out the job and you bid it out kind of uh frugal on your end so you wind up making more money. And uh if you make more money than you think, you can kick it back to the customer or you can keep it yourself. But I tell you what, even if you kick back twenty bucks to the customer on a big job, they'll they'll take you as the most honest honest uh goodness thing you know and they'll they'll love you for it because they're like oh it's less than what you bid it at and you're like yep i saved a little bit money here and there here's some money back or i or you know you can use it to do a little bit extra work at your place or whatever which i do that and that's called building relationships with your customers and that's just a huge thing when you work for yourself you want people happy with you when you leave um what was the other thing i was about to say i kind of have a Another brain fart. What were we talking about before we were talking about that? <laughs> Holding the Amish. And uh, <laughs> I completely forgot. Oh, that's all right. I, I, I think we're, we're pretty close to wrapping up, actually. I mean, I think this is yeah. awesome, and it's, it's inspirational, and it's the way people need to think. And when you were talking about how, you know, you're not making a lot of money yet or whatever, it made me think of the video I did on Monday. One of the people, a, a gal named Allison, responded uh, in that video in a comment, and what she said is, I used to say uh, that all the time, which I've said broke, you know, you, you know, is broke as an excuse. I used to say it all the time, I was broke even when I had a good paying job, but all my money was going to pay yeah. off my debt. When the debt was gone, all my money was going towards saving for a house. Now that we have a house, we are broke because projects are never ending, but without me saying I'm broke anymore. And I said, I, I put a quote in and I said, when I said I was broke, I was actually building wealth and I'm still doing so. There, I fixed it for you. Yeah. So that person felt broke, so. but they were building equity in their life. Like, you're building equity in your business. If you come out of the end of a year and you made 15 bucks an hour in a town where people wait to get a job at Walmart, I know towns like that. That's like, <laughs> I got a good job, yeah. but what do you do? I work at Walmart. Right, and I'm not even knocking working at Walmart. You can have a decent career working for Walmart, but like, yeah, grown, some people love it. You yeah, can make good money at it, but if but, it's not what you want to do, why are you doing it? Grown ass, thirty year old men in towns like you live in apply and hope to get a job that's something like a job at Walmart, right? And pushing pushing carts or you know driving trucks or whatever, you know, and and so <laughs> like if you're making the money that you would have made there, but at the end of that year. Your greenhouse has expanded. Your product line has expanded. Your inventory of long-term plants, some of the stuff you're not going to sell for two years because, like you said, there's shrubs. Yeah. Like, all that's grown. Well, all that means is that your equity in your business has grown. And, and so many yeah. people, especially young people, because we don't, we don't freaking teach this in school, but they don't understand. You didn't earn $15 an hour. You need to look at... You know, on some, like, even if it's a back of the napkin balance sheet, what does the equity rise in the value of your business? Because you got paid that too. That's yours. You own that. And when you start looking at it that way, that's why, you know, 10 years from now, people will be going, must be nice, Noah. I wish I had yeah. all that. And, and like, okay, I'm going to slap people when they tell me that. <laughs> oh, they're going to. I can tell you right guess, now. Because guess what, Jack? How many people have the dedication to – now, my greenhouse is like a good quarter mile away from my house, Yeah. right? And you know that deep snow that happened when <laughs> yeah. you were talking about it getting negative two? Yeah, yeah. It got like a foot and a half, two foot of snow here, and my car got stuck on my driveway. 
I couldn't drive to my greenhouse. I was getting up every four hours to stoke a fire inside of my greenhouse. Freaking snowshoeing to your greenhouse in Missouri. Yeah, man. I I'd go up there at nine o'clock in the nine o'clock in the evening, two o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, you know, nine o'clock in the morning. You know, don't tell me it must be nice. I worked my ass off to do this. I put in long hours to do this. You know, some days for me, I don't work no eight-hour day. You know, now sometimes my work is pretty easy because I work for myself and I can do what I want. Yeah. But sometimes I'm working like 14-hour days. Yeah. You know, out yeah. in the sun. Even if I'm just sitting in the greenhouse making sales, that's still exhausting in the heat. Yep. So sorry to jump off of that, but no, if, if people, if I start hearing must be nice, People are going to hear a lecture from me, just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> well, man, so, look, I, I've really enjoyed you uh, being with us today. You don't sell online or anything, but do you have any sort of online way people can connect with you or anything like that? Yeah, I shared with you um, on the email that I have a Facebook page. I have that. It's called okay. uh, Noah's, Noah's Nursery and Gardens. I also forgot um, I do have an email that I do sell succulents, and I do sell succulents online. Okay. So if people I, – I don't necessarily have a, a website set up yet that's easy to order from. But if there's people interested, you can reach out to me on my Facebook page, or you can um, email me at plantmannoahl at gmail.com. I'll send you that email if you want to put it in. Fine. If not, it's okay. okay I cool. just enjoy talking to you. And then I also have a YouTube channel. Um, that's just my name, Noah Long. I've only got like three videos on it. I'll send that to you. You can take take with it what you want. Um, I'm going to be starting some um, alternative media um, things like what you have with the Odyssey and the MeWe. I have a MeWe, haven't done much with it. Um, I had a parlor, and I was starting to get really – I was starting to enjoy parlor, and then that whole thing yeah, ruined it. <laughs> um, yeah, so – so, yeah, but uh, people are welcome to reach out to me. I do do a few online sales, and, like, if people are interested in, like, specialty, like, super hot peppers, I have some of those, and I can actually ship the super hot pepper um, produce, so which is kind of cool, but uh, I'll just I'll send you some links to some stuff cool. and you can put it in if you'd like. Yeah, we'll throw that all in the, the uh, show notes, dude, and I, I really appreciate you being with us today, and uh, I guess it just kind of worked out, the, the, the videos I've been doing uh, Monday and then today's video about struggle and getting through it and accomplishing. This could have been a more uh, synchronistic uh, video, especially since I've been kind of hammering the, the young folks lately that are telling me about how, yeah. you know, they're broke and that they're young. And I always, you know, <laughs> I love the concept of when people say, but, what I, but I'm young and broke. I'm like, well, you better get with the plan then. What? Yeah. Well, you better get with the plan because if you don't get with the plan when you're young and broke, you're going to be freaking old and broken. That's a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like everybody's yeah. broke when they're young. That's that's how yeah. it works. And you know, God bless us that we are because what I was talking about today in my video was like that if uh, if I had become successful overnight when I was like 22 years old, I would have either went to prison, killed myself, crippled myself, or ruined my life. Like, it's some way. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't ready for it yet. Like, struggle makes you value what you have, man. So, you know, yeah. good, good on you because you're going you're gonna to do great. Like, to be where you are at 24 is freaking badass, man. So, thank you. 22. For, 22, shit. Yeah, yeah, you're way ahead of where I was at 22, <laughs> man. 22, I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 22, I was sleeping in the back of my truck to save my per diem and installing MUX systems for MCI in central office terminals. You know, I yeah. mean, like, you yeah. know. 
It's it's. Don't get me wrong. I still struggle when I'm broke, but when I have spare money, I don't go out and buy video games. No. <laughs> no. no. I buy a big ass sign to put on the highway for my business, or you know, I buy more shrubs and stuff that will last yeah. years to come. Yeah. You know, building that equity, like you said. So, yeah, Jack, I really appreciate the phone call. I'm a big fan, so it was kind of a cool deal to be talking to you and possibly be on the show. So. Well, yep. So uh, anyway, man, thank you for being with us today, and uh, hope you have a great day. Get back to selling plants, man. Yep, you too. Have a great day. Bye. Well, I, I'll tell you what. When I get comments and stuff on my videos about, well, what do you do when you're young and broke from now on? I'm just going to link to this podcast. Wasn't that awesome? And it's interesting to me. I know what will happen. There will be people saying, boy, I wish I had that opportunity that he does. And it won't be a young person. It will be an older person saying, I don't have the opportunity anymore because now they're too old. If you can fog a mirror, you're not done yet. If it's what you want, go for it. Anyway, there is some valid validity, though, in that for all you young folks out there listening to this show. The opportunity will never be better than it is today. And tomorrow that'll be true again. And then the next day it'll be, you see how it works? It just keeps getting less, but it's always still there. And it's always still the best opportunity is now. It's kind of like planting a tree. The best time to do it was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. And uh, that's how you grow a business, like you grow a tree. It takes time. And then all of a sudden the branches shoot out, the canopy forms, and it's a mighty oak. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let me remind you, one of the ways you can help support the Survival Podcast and the work that we do that won't cost you any money at all. It really doesn't cost you any money. It's just when you're going to buy something online anyway. See, yeah, it costs money, but I mean, it's money we're always going to spend. Just start your shopping at tspaz.com. That's where you'll find all of my reviews. And you can check out, you know, if you're looking for something, take a look at the uh, the product reviews. Look at, uh, they're all in alphabetical order by pro- by uh uh, uh, by category, uh, you can also use the search function on the site. You'll find things other than products. But if you're looking for something like, you know, a battery backup system, you'll probably find the ones that I recommend uh, from Anchor if you, if you just search for that, or you'll find it under electronics and energy. Um, but today I have one for you. I hadn't brought this around in a while, and it's really a shame that I hadn't. Because one of the coolest little tools, and I use mine all the time, it's made by eTech City, and much like Anchor and eTech City are two companies, I just love their products, and I love their product support if you do have a problem. Uh, but eTech City makes this little gray, a little uh, laser grip digital temperature gun. It's basically an infrared thermometer. You point at a thing, you pull the trigger, and it tells you what the temperature is. And from about a foot to two foot away is the best distance. But it works pretty damn well across the room, too, honestly. It's it's really badass. Um, and people say, well, that's cool, and it's 24 bucks. Most people have 24 bucks they can scrape up. But well, what am I going to do with it? Man, there's so much you can do with it. Um, we were, one day, I was, I was out looking at my rain tanks, and I was like, I wonder how much water is in the rain tanks. And we just pointed the laser gun at it and started running it down. And when the temperature, right where the temperature changed significantly, that's where the water line was. That was one of those things. Like I know you're probably not going to do that every day, but like you don't even know what you can do with something until you have it. You're cooking something, and then instructions say saute it at 220 degrees. Does your pan set to 220 degrees? No. But if you want to know when you're about 220 degrees, just take. I use it in my cooking all the time. I know when I have my griddle hot when I'm using my blackstone. Um, when you're like. Developing microclimates, you want to know how much, how much, how cool is it under the shade um, compared to in the sun when you put shade cloth up? 
Well, the thermometer gives you the air temperature. You know what's really important to your plants? The surface temperature. This will give you it instantly. Um, finding warm and cool microclimates when you're planting trees in different plantings around your home. How much, how much thermal gain is there on that western wall in the afternoon? How about finding places around your home where you either have heat or cool losses through cracks and things like that, where you can, it pays for itself with that, when you just find the places that you're leaking cold air out in the summer and fix that, that, that right there on your electric bill probably in a month pays for the damn thing. Um, checking out just about anything, your air conditioner. Is your air conditioner blowing cold enough? Go to where your intake vent is for your AC and measure the temperature of the air going in and then measure the air coming out and you can see the drop in between. On that, how, how good is this thing for $24? Well, not so long ago I had some issues with my air conditioner and I had an HVAC tech here at the house and I happened to notice he had a fluke thermal gun. Which I thought was interesting. I used to work for Fluke for many, many years ago. And uh, so I know their products are like the best in the industry. So I was like, well, that's what we use. Yeah. I said, how much are they? It was about 200 bucks. So we went and checked a few different places. I'm sitting here with this $24 E-Tech City gun. And he had his Fluke gun, $199 Fluke gun. And side by side, they were within a degree of each other. I'm not changing anything over one degree in my life. I'm really not. I mean... Uh, and who knows, mine might have been the, the one that was more accurate. I don't know. But within one degree and everywhere that we checked it for 24 bucks. They also make one that's a little bit, uh, got a wider range of temperatures. It's about 35 bucks. I say keep the money. Um, but the difference is the one I'm recommending will measure from 58 degrees below zero to 716 degrees Fahrenheit above zero. A pretty big range. I'm not measuring any temperature of anything that's more than 700 freaking degrees. The more expensive one, which is the 1022D, will go up to, you guessed it, 1,022 degrees, and it, it still goes down to only 58 below zero. Uh, 15 bucks is 15 bucks. I say keep it, but if you want the better one, I have a link to that too. Um, this is a really cool, really versatile piece of equipment. Again, it's one of those things. I don't think you'll realize how versatile it is until you have one and when you keep it with your tools it's black and yellow so it doesn't get jealous of the Walt either just just saying anyway uh, check it out and remember you can always get my item of the day all my announcements everything if you get on the telegram channel I have all kinds of social media you can follow me on but the telegram channel is like right to your device you know as soon as something's published uh, and with item of the day sometimes I get special deals and I let you know about them and by the time the show comes out or the email comes out they're sold out so you really might want to get on the Telegram channel if you're not already there. All right. With that, let us wrap things up with our song of the day today. Song of the day today is uh, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up Sammy Hagar week. We have one more from Sammy tomorrow. But this one is called Give to Live. And it's one that I think maybe like people that say they like Sammy Hagar, probably like half the people have heard this song and know they've heard it. Half of the half of the half that says they uh, they don't know the song. When you hear it, you'll go, "Oh yeah." It's from 1987, by the way. And about 25 percent of people even like Sammy Hagar will have no idea this song ever existed. Uh, again, it's called "Give to Live," and it's not a song I need to explain a lot about to you because it pretty much is what it, sa it says what it does and does what it says, right? It talks about how if you want to really live, you got to give. You got to struggle through things. You got to make things happen. You got to, you got to sacrifice when it, when it comes down to it. But the, the, the more you do of that, the more you put in, the more you get out of life. 
So that, that speaks for itself. What I think is interesting about listening to this song is this song screams 80s power ballad. And it's from 1987, so it should. But I'm, when I say it screams 80s power ballad, like, if there was an, if there was another Karate Kid movie, it was a lost Karate Kid movie, you wouldn't be surprised if this was part of the soundtrack. Right? Or like some of the other 80s movies, what was the one with, uh, oh, Mary Stuart Masterson, uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Like, like it's like, it's kind of that 80 powers ballad in a good way. I think you'll enjoy it. And with that, let's wrap things up. Hope you have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow with the Expert Council Show. And then, of course, on Friday, the Miyagi Mornings Recap Edition. It's so much easier to push it down.